Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Take with Drew Malone. Thanks for stepping into the frame. Today, a discussion on the economic effects, long-term and short-term, of the COVID-19 shutdown. Today, I want to uh, use some really interesting reference material that I've found uh, over the last few days in order to begin to talk about what are the long-term economic effects of this coronavirus going to be and how is our policy at the current time affecting the outcome of our economy later on. And really the best way to do this is, as any historian knows, how do we kind of predict what's going to happen in the future? Well, we study what the past indicates to us. And this is why I'm going to be leaning on a particular study that uh, just came out. Actually, it hasn't been peer-reviewed, so we'll see some uh, if there's any objections from historical economists coming up to the validity of the study, but I, I thought I'd bring it up because I think it makes up some very, very good points. Now, this particular study we're talking about is a study jointly done by the MIT School of Management, several uh, staff members from there, as well as several from the Federal Reserve. If you want to look it up for yourself, it is called Pandemics Depress the Economy, Public Health Interventions Do Not Evidence from the 1918 Flu by Professor Emily, uh, Professor, Professor Emil Werner, at the MIT Sloan School of Management, and Dr. Sergio Coria and Dr. Stefan Luck from the Federal Reserve. Now, if you want to get into that on your own, I will post the link along with the rest of it. But it is an interesting, interesting study, and I'm no economist, of course, so I don't understand all the intricacies of of what they're trying to explain in the paper. But from what I understand is, uh, essentially, they're arguing that one of the factors we should take into account is uh, the, the shutdown. Now, we've, it's been largely published and explained by public health figures such as Dr. Anthony Fauci about what the uh, uh, the health, uh, public health effects of a uh, quarantine and a um, and quarantine implementation, social distancing measures are essentially flattening the curve, reducing the peak number of deaths, and this is similar, these economists would argue, to another principle. As you implement social distancing for the purposes of public health, you also implement things uh, in the way of economic uh, reaction as well. Typically, when you flatten the curve for... uh, public health, you also flatten the curve of the economy. And what that means is similar, but at the same time, a little bit different. Essentially, when you, when you, you're doing it for the purpose of public health, 
you are stopping the slowing down the virus significantly but you are spreading out the time that the virus spreads and spreading it out so you don't eat overwhelm the hospital system so the idea is just eventually i think the the running term i'm going to use is shock to prevent healthcare system shock and essentially what as far as i understand it these economists are arguing is that if you do not implement social distancing in the cities in 1918 that did not implement social distancing really really uh endured a big big economic shock the cities that implemented social distancing early and with a good amount of intensity tended to have in both the degree of consumer spending the degree of economic output the degree of banking liquidity and also the degree of um uh, like durable discretionary spending. Those cities in 1918, as a trend, tended to have much, much better recoveries, economic recoveries, post-virus. And there's a number of factors that they go into, and I think it, it's fairly interesting. And, um, I mean, not every... Um, city followed this trend some uh, were outside the trends of data but there, there seems to be a, a pretty big correlation as you have uh, like numbers cities that did not implement uh, social distancing tended to have a pretty wide range of economic uh, effects afterwards whether that be a large scale growth or large scale loss of economic and consumer and and uh, manufacturing productivity but when uh, social distancing was implemented it norm it sought a moderate sort of growth in economic activity over time and I I have some theories of why this might be i think uh, a widespread panic and widespread uh loss of containment of a very uh deadly and and contagious disease tends to have very very uh broad and heavy psychological effects on two people um one would think as you know people as people see dying on the street that it would it would precipitate a a shock to the system um it it it, it got me thinking and contemplating what are the economic uh, effects of death and largely the conclusion I came to is you're spending societal resources sending to a, a person to a hospital to fight a disease. And that is, of course, in the hope that, you know, they can make a recovery and continue to 
contribute to their society, but with a high and sudden loss, you of course have a loss eventually over time. That would be you have a loss in uh, economic output as those people no longer contribute to the job market and you have a big glut of, of people not contributing to the job market. And then, now again, this is this is in a city, say, that did not have social distancing measures in place. You have a big loss of, of the manufacturing production base. You have a big loss of consumers as, you know, their wealth is obviously going somewhere, perhaps to their children or whatnot. But at the same time, it, uh, it does not correlate with continued uh, consumer spending. So in a way, you're losing economic output, consumer spending over a long period of time. You know, because once you take that element out of society, once you take a person out of society, they become less useful to society. And as I think about it, there there is a certain uh, tendency to where we we see our economic pain coming now. We see this kind of precipitous loss of production, loss of of uh, employment, and we all sort of begin this process of panic. But I think these uh, economists make a fair point and. I think that's largely that we have to think sort of down the road. And how is our current policy in maintaining the consumer base and life as it is, how is that going to be reflected in the economy of uh, two, three, four, five years down the road? And if there is a precipitous loss of life, by just kind of opening up the economy willy-nilly, then, you know, that it's it's rather dangerous at that point because we'll be losing uh, the consumer and we'll be losing the relative output. Now, there are a few issues that I think are presented with study making pulling information from 1918 and and putting it here that I think you can't you can learn and and uh, and uh, have a, a further sort of revelation about what may or may not happen in the United States but I think there's a few caveats that need to be made and the the uh, economists do make one would be that the economy in 1918 was very, very different than it is 102 years later. The uh, Another one would be that we had just come out of a... Uh, we were just at the end of a war, and that could be working its way into the economics as well. And... Uh, the the other thing that I would think of is we have to talk about who is this affecting. Well, in 1918, there were a lot more 
health-related effects to uh, the young than there is at this point in time. What we saw in uh, 1918 was the death of a lot of young people, and that's a lot more future loss of economic and consumer productivity, you know, in, in the span of the lifetime that they could have lived. I mean, not to be indecent here, but uh, the many, many of the people dying were at uh, in this particular coronavirus are older, so they've already contributed a lot to consumer spending and economic output. And you know, as they've gone and you know, probably many of these people go on to. Uh, uh, retirement and um, as many of them may be in retirement it's not going to correlate with such a high degree of economic output future economic output or future consumer spending so I think that's one caveat and one very important caveat we need to make I nonetheless wanted to consult this because I mean there is some similarities between what's going on now and what's go what happened 102 years ago in 1918. But I, I think for me in my mind, the that particular caveat changes things quite a bit and and suggests that perhaps what worked 102 years ago isn't exactly going to correlate with what happened today and I, I I think that that brings down the the real uh, economic suggestion that uh, shutting down longer is necessarily a overall good thing it may be in the suggestion of lives but I think that f- those few factors in themselves, really throw into question in my mind whether or not that this uh, this particular action is going to reap economic benefit in the future. The other trend I think that needs to be considered is is this going to help exacerbate the loss of economic output that I would imagine is going to happen as the baby boomer generation retires. I mean, when you look at the kind of overall age spread of the United States, there's a big glut when it comes to the baby boomers. Like, there is many, many more of them than there are us millennials, nor on their uh, uh, preceding side, the silent generation. And as they come to retirement age where they kind of don't become as economically productive, is this uh, coronavirus going to help that, contribute to that? Because of certain health effects, are baby boomers going to consider going into retirement at a much higher rate than they were previously? I mean, they were already previously doing it. There was uh, one uh, industry example would be the the teaching industry. There 
is large scale uh, demand from across uh, a number of states, most states uh, in the union for uh, teachers, but the current generation is not supplying the needed demand for teachers. Is this going to cause a a certain degree of uh, the ability, the economic pr- productivity to be able to meet the demands of the future? Who knows? I, I think the data certainly suggests that could be a possibility. And I think this coronavirus could help uh, exacerbate the problem. But I, I think there's a, a good chance that, you know, um, we, we, we tend to have a, a marginal loss of productivity over time. Now, of course, you know, there, there's other factors when it comes to that as well. Um, I mean, there's really two ways you can try to uh, deal with that problem if you're a country. One would be you could innovate and produce more efficiently, therefore needing less uh, uh, labor, which is a possibility and a thing that is done quite often has been done quite often uh so you know manufacturing efficiency the second would be that you can uh import labor from outside you can increase the number of people coming into your country you can uh you could even drive down wages for domestic workers by hiring illegally, though don't do that. That's not right. But really, there are ways to um, increase that productivity to the, to the levels that we uh, currently need, the demand is asking for. The problem is there's we're becoming short on supply, but remain high in demand. And I think uh, one of the uh, lasting effects of the coronavirus could be that it exacerbates that problem. One of the uh, parts of the article that I really think is really important and they made an important point of is the importance of bank liquidity. We have to make sure, and I think it's, it is an emphasis of the federal government to not, not only think about how do we prevent, uh, how do we bring capital to bear to prevent uh, large-scale small business losses and business losses, but more in the long term, how once we're over with this coronavirus, how do we how do we tend to move going forward? We need the kind of capital liquidity and and banking reserves in order to be able to loan out uh, 
capital to business is to be able to reopen and to be able to sustain themselves until they can begin making a profit to pay back those loans. We need, essentially, we need the banking capital available so that the local economies around us can continue to work. So it should, I would say, policy-wise, it should be a major, major uh, emphasis of the federal government to stop the banking system from failing, whether that's on a national or local level. Because if the banking system fails in a certain place, then it, it will be much, much harder for businesses to reopen and, and get the capital they need to sustainably reopen. I do have uh, real concerns, though, to be honest. And this would honestly... This honestly kind of it comes from my my predilection to like the free market. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, market interference by the government in in the market right now to try, try to prop up uh, business and whatnot. But at what point do we realize we can't s- keep throwing money into the, into the pot, right? Um, I think it, I've heard over the past few weeks, one of the major concerns of people that do like the free market are, uh, is there, is it bad that we're essentially dumping resources into businesses that will probably fail anyway? Uh, one of the biggest, you know, conceptions of the free market is that it need, uh, markets or businesses need to adapt to the, the current state of demand from different people. Take, for example, to illustrate a little bit more about what I'm talking about, take uh, Blockbuster Video, for example. The in the late uh, first in the late first decade of the 2000, uh, new video services were coming out, like Netflix, like Hulu and the like, but largely uh, Blockbuster stayed with their brick-and-mortar plan of people going uh, to the video store and renting movies. They did not innovate early on and eventually suffered huge uh, eventual losses in employment and a precipitous fall. Now, one wonders what would have happened if the government would have intervened at that point and started giving uh, Blockbuster economic stimulus at this time. It started buying uh, loans and helping uh, Blockbuster economically survive. Well, I mean, in in the short term, it would... uh, cause employment to remain stable and it would cause blockbuster stores from being closed but in the long term it it would eventually fail because it was not an economically viable product anymore in the in the new emerging market of uh on-demand films 
wondering, are we causing ourselves trouble? Because obviously there, there's going to be lasting effects in this economy, in the new post-coronavirus world, where certain businesses and their models and their long-term established models will not work anymore. And are we causing ourselves pain by essentially dumping our tax and societal governmental resources into businesses that will in the long term fail anyway? I am not sure, but it would seem to me that the we need to be more selective about where are we sending our resources and who are we sending our resources to. The thing is, I think we will have uh, employment that will come back over over time, over the next few years, but I, I think it's a misapportionment of re- our societal resources to continue to pump uh, more and more money into uh, business models and businesses that will be defunct anyway. I mean, it it in the short term it prevents unemployment but in the long term it it becomes a waste of a waste of money and the thing is i i kind of reject the whole you know we have to stop automation argument that a lot of people put out there that we we have to stop automation because it will take away the jobs of people and largely the unemployment numbers over the period of decades have have for the most part rejected that because honestly when uh one sector of the economy becomes inefficient the the labor goes from that inefficient sector to uh industries that are more efficient it's not really, really a permanent job loss, maybe in the short term, but in the long term, those people are rehired and retaught and they learn new skills. So the economy in itself, I have learned, is always being refreshed in a way. And like it or not, this coronavirus is causing us to uh, refresh our outlook on what the new economic future is going to look like and what it's going to be. Because doubtless, when you have an economic uh, effect like this, it it tends to uh, kill off businesses that are no longer viable, and it tends to help, you know, pick winners that... um, become more viable as technology and society progresses. It's kind of just the way of things, and a lot of government intervention in that just tends to stagnate economic production and societal growth, I think. That's just that's just my view. What I'm saying is largely... We shouldn't continue this policy into the long term. And we should understand that this economic uh, dip 
is going to be a lot of pain in the short term. But I, I think it will get better over time. And generally, trends show it to be better over time. And I think these quarantines and shutdowns will be massive pain in the short term. But in the long term, I think they will bring the benefit of reinvigorating and re-energizing the economy. Typically, uh, these downturns happen every about every five years. And it had been over double that time since the last one in 2008, the Great Recession. And this one obviously comes as far as different circumstances, but it just does change the, the playing field for sure. Once we come out of this, is it going to change the habits of consumer spending? Very well, per, very good chance perhaps. Are business models going to be changing? Yes. Are our societal habits in the way that how we spend time going to be changing as a result of this? Most likely. And I think this is par for the course of what's going to happen. And we need to take it every day in stride. And know that each radical change that occurs because of this uh, quarantine is just a reflection upon a larger trend that's been happening throughout all of history. This coronavirus just kind of tended to magnify it. Now, these are just some of my thoughts and uh, dipping into some of the current uh, reading and academic study on the impacts, economic impacts of quarantine and the coronavirus. Go ahead and read the uh, academic study for yourself. It is quite illuminating, and I quite enjoyed getting into the details of how the uh, social distancing impacted the world in 1918 and how it influenced the future. I'd like to uh, stay in discussion about this. So when you hear this, uh, this podcast, go ahead and... Um, Read the article, and then contact me once you've read it. Leave your thoughts uh, either on my Facebook or if you have my email, send it, your thoughts through my email, and we'll stay correspondent on this because this is a very, very interesting um, set of thoughts and how, on how it reflects uh, future trends. But for now, thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Take with Drew Malone. And go ahead and step out of the frame. Have a good evening.